What's going on, world? This is Sherrod Jones, CEO and founder of the Idea Factory LLC. I've just joined my good friend Pablo Gonzalez on the Chief Executive Connector podcast. You should check it out. We met at a lip sync battle, the charity event for the Senior Bowl. We hit it off instantly. Great energy, very inspiring. And I think you should follow Pablo because in the end, not just getting a good friend, you'll be a, get a very insightful and genuine person, which is very hard to find nowadays. So follow Pablo, support Pablo, and you'll thank me later. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I learn from him. This means every single person you ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person and therefore has something to teach you. And you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every networking event or conference you walk into is both a library and your stage. Your network is your personal Google and you are a part of everyone's Wikipedia. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I am your Chief Executive Connector. Follow me as we meet people in my walks. Find out what we can learn from them, what they've learned from others, and what made them want to connect so you can learn to gain and give value to others in all of your interactions. I am terrible at asking for stuff, but if you want to do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. Let me know what you've learned from each episode, or at the very least, Hit me up if I can ever be of service or any kind of value to you. Now, without further ado, let's get connected. Welcome to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. My name is Pablo Gonzalez. I am your Chief Executive Connector. And today we have a guest that I've been dying to get on here since the moment I met him. He's an engineer, he's an investor, he's a musician, he's a CEO, he's a community leader and activist in Mobile, Alabama, where we met. He's the CEO and founder of Media Factory LLC, Sherrod Jones. Welcome, Sherrod. How are you, man? Oh, man, I'm great, man. Glad to be here. Good to see you. It's good to see you, too, man. I, I like, dude, I, you know, I, I always forget how, like, mellow and laid back you're, you're your vibe is. So I'm here going like a million miles an hour and I immediately just like calm down, right? What no, yeah, yeah. Yin and yang, you know. <laughs> I love it, keep it even. I love it, I love it. Sherrod, tell me, uh, what are you working on these days, man? What's going on with you? What am I not working on? Um, the Idea Factory, and we'll get into what all that is every day, just putting out content, trying to, you know, provide value, help you know, any way I can. Uh, we got our investment club. We've been, um, it's been hot and heavy because of what the market's been doing. So, you know, we've been in vogue and new music, uh, always working on some music, you know, just put something out about to kind of relaunch it and um, got a project coming on the way and pretty excited about it. Dude, I'm excited. I'm excited about that new project, man. So let me, you know, my my one of my big theses I, I I struggle with the plural of thesis, but one of my one of my big ideas is that people bond easiest when they either share a common vulnerability with somebody or somebody adds value to their life, right? And like, and I'm sure you're gonna add a bunch of value in the conversation we're about to have. But I want to ask you, man, what uh what, what are you struggling with these days, or what has been a big struggle for you in the past? I, I have to say, in a nutshell, sometimes I load up myself a lot. Um, as far as 
getting business done, you know, my, my delegation, sometimes it, it fluctuates. So I need to delegate more. Um, and I, I think that's it. And I think just continuing to keep going, you know, as far as my consistency, I have the drive because obviously, you know, my company, I'm, I'm built to give people drive, but you know, the everyday path, the everyday journey of just keeping going and just, um, being able to distribute my workload so I won't go crazy. So that, that's been a struggle for me. Dude, I can relate to that so much, man. Like today, <laughs> today is like one of those days where I'm so overbooked, right? And I like stayed up late watching the NFL draft and, you know, like... You too? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Dolphins fan, man. This is, this is the perfect... Yeah, it was a good it was a good one, man. I'm 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 used to waking up the next day feeling very uh underwhelmed by what the Dolphins do, but I was I was real happy to get to them, man. I thought that that was cool. That's good. Yeah, man. From an Alabama guy, you're gonna get a good you're getting a good one. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited, man. So so let's talk about that, right? So what you're talking about of of loading yourself up, being able to delegate and being able to, you know, to to keep showing up and following through, man. That to me is the the journey of entrepreneurship, man. So absolutely. What, what does, what does the idea of factory do? And what was the, what was the pain point? Like what was the aha moment that made you start it? Well, let, let me answer the second one first. The aha moment was, I realized that I've been the idea factory the entire time. Um, and I'm a firm believer that your personality and who you are is actually your business. It's your brand. And, you know, we're in the digital age of branding and everything like that. So the first business business that you always have is something, a trait or a personality that you have, you know, not necessarily if you make paper towel rolls or whatever that you're, you know, something like that. If you're a manufacturer, I'm not saying that you're a factory guy, but in our business of creating content, um, branding and marketing, things like that, I realized that all of the insight, all of the value that, I've basically had naturally is a brand and everybody has a unique brand of their own. So a couple of years ago, I just sat back and I thought, and I was like, man, not necessarily about monetizing, but I could actually brand what I'm doing because every time it just so happens, people are just drawn to me as far as whether they get advice um, or just needing some insight or something, or just wanting to hear my voice. I don't know, I guess, I guess I look like I just know more than what I do or whatever, but that was my aha moment a few years ago, just realizing, you know what, you're doing your business right now. You just haven't made it anything legal um, as far as LLC. Um, and what was the first question? I apologize. What's what does it question? do? Yeah. What, is it, what does your business do? What does it do? So we're, I like to say that we're like a ancillary service to a business. Basically, when you hear idea and factory, you think of manufacturing, oh, these guys, they make ideas. Well, no, that's not necessarily what all we do. With the idea factory, um, if we're gonna manufacture something, we're actually teaching aspiring entrepreneurs, artists, just creatives, how to execute these plans, how to be the best version of themselves, whether it's personally or whether it's professionally. So we're connectors and we're enhancers. You know, so we just we, we try to provide answers that maybe I didn't have in my 20s or, you know, when I was younger. I love it. I love it. So how are you doing that, man? I know I know you're putting out a lot of content. Is content your main strategy? Content is my main strategy. I also do motivational speaking. Um, I have artists. Um, I have business owners that I also mentor and help develop their brand. 
And sometimes we go through and we do joint venture investments. I might just be an angel investor or monetarily go in with you on a new product. For example, I have a guy, he's, um, he writes children's books. And the, the twist on the children's books is that they're uh, African-American historical figures, but they're like the X-Men or the Avengers or something. You know, for example, Benjamin Mays, uh, he's a person that can teleport. So he writes these series for young adults. And what I do is we get together, we strategize, and we work on building content and working on launching his product. And also, I invest with him. So, you know, I'm a business partner within that. And that's part of the idea factory, too. Interesting, man. And you, what I find really interesting is that you're clearly a super creative guy, right? If you're an idea factor, you're somebody that people come for ideas and a musician, which we're going to get into also, but your background is, uh, is engineering, right? Like your corporate life before this was, was as an engineer. Tell me a little bit about that. Current life as well. So as an engineer, um, they always say in school, engineering is design. So if you're just out there just building something, that's not engineering. If you're just visualizing, designing, and seeing it, then that's engineering. And I kind of call myself a brand engineer with the idea factory. I see, I have a way of seeing things, I guess, and, and putting things in different perspectives. So it's kind of weird with the engineering thing to go on because everything's in a book and it's, you know, it's all rigid and stuff. But when you get the design part about the design aspect, the art of it, um, you can see the correlation between the two, but it's definitely, especially where I live in Alabama, uh, there's two different worlds between the creative world and the engineering construction world. That's interesting to me, man, because I always thought that engineering is solving problems. And to me, creativity is crucial to being able to solve a problem, right? Like I, I remember being in like Calc 2 and trying to come up with how you get like the tangent to the science. I don't even remember oh, what that was yeah. called, but like, oh, yeah. it, you know, it, <laughs> it, it might all be in a book, man, but you're, but you're sitting there basically just poking at different holes to, to try to come up with new solutions for whatever is in front of you. And to me, that's the, that's the epitome of the creative process. What, why do you think that, why do you think that there's such a divide between the engineer's mind and believing that they are also a creative or that they're capable of that's That's actually a really good question. And it's, it's like a 3,000 part answer to that, but I'll sum it up as, as concise as I can. So with engineers, we're actually looking out for the safety. So we have to be trained to be conservative, even though we're troubleshooters by nature. When you get into the creativity and this this in the engineering community will piss a lot of people off, but the architects are the ones that are usually the creative ones. And the engineers are like, they're your insurance agents to the architects. They're like, okay, you can put the waterfall on the ceiling, but you know, we need to make sure nobody dies. So I do agree with you that in school, you know, you brought up bad memories with Cal too, but um, <laughs> the problem solving, it does make you think and get out of the box as far as troubleshooting. I just think the divide is the heart of engineering and design. There are certain rules that you have to abide by where in creativity, I just think that in creating content, you can be as unorthodox as you want, you know, as long as we get to that desired end. Got it. That makes sense. So then where does it correlate? I think it correlates where you're trying to push those boundaries. When you're trying to just uh, 
because that's been me my whole life. I, I'm, I'm the why guy. I always question why something happens. I guess that's why I'm an engineer. But it correlates to the point where you're trying to push the boundaries to making sure, well, yeah, this is proven and this works, but have we tried this aspect? Have we attacked it from this angle? And a lot of times the two do intermingle because I deal mostly in construction with my engineer. And as you may already know, construction is a very fluid process. You know, there's not a, it's not a direct science to that because everything is a unique situation. So I think that's how they intermingle and coexist. I like it, man. Yeah, dude, I, uh, I was 15 years in the construction industry. I don't know if we, if we talked about that, but I was a, a green building guy. So how do you, so you're, where do you start investing in companies and, and the stock market and stuff like that? Tell me kind of the genesis of how you got started doing that. Um, well, the investing in the stock market, it happened probably about five years ago. Uh, I had been always wanting to be involved in the market. I've been invested, of course, through like 401ks and things like that with your job. But, you know, I always wanted a hands-on approach. But, you know, seeing those little tickers going on at the bottom and those arrows, it make your head explode or something. So um, a couple of my coworkers and my supervisor, they, they actually kind of, broke it down to me a little bit to where I can understand it. And so I know how I am, you know, sometimes I, I'm an initial binger. So once I get hot on something, you know, I'm diving head first into it. I stay with it for the most part, but I got hot and heavy into learning how to invest. And it just became a passion to me because, you know, just speaking from this for a uh, a young black guy from Alabama, just speaking about that, is a lot of us are not privy to these conversations. A lot of us are not privy to these different avenues of wealth building or finance. So it was one of those things that just became a passion to me. Not that I wanted to make it, you know, just race conscious, but I had a passion for the people who minus color don't know about the different avenues of, of wealth accumulation and how the stock market works. And to me, as a business owner, understanding the market helps me run my business better. Listening to conference calls of uh, Fortune 500 companies and how they strategize and how they want to market, they're just dropping all type of nuggets and jewels. So it's actually an addiction for me. As far as the joint investing, it kind of piggybacked off of that and they're not coming. Don't worry about them. Uh, I kind of piggybacked off of that. And in my entrepreneurial journey as a rap artist, as a musician, as I've had several different businesses, I've never had me in my life. So that's where the joint investing comes in because now I'm able to be in a position to the people who remind me of me and their journey, their ingenuity and, and their creativity. I'm able to be that person to just get them to the next level as a launch pad. I love that, man. I, I think that the world is now really shifting in this way of people are noticing now that there's no more barriers of entry to having media out and, and having influence and whatnot, people are really starting to look around and see, hey, I wish that this person existed when I was coming up, right? For me, that guy is Gary Vee, right? Like I, I had never, I had never encountered somebody he's that awesome. was, yeah, he's the best. Like I, I love the guy, right? Like, but, but to me, the, the thing was like, I had never encountered an, 
an alpha male business type that preached the way that you win long term is by doing stuff for others right like it was always such a it was always such a selfish message right like the Steve Jobs guys and 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 and, and those types of guys that were just like well you win because you're a genius and you can treat people like crap right um, yeah. and, and, and that was a huge thing for me, man. And I, and I really recognize the, the value of, of being somebody that didn't have a role model that spoke and, you know, like I spoke or had similar ideologies that I had, had ideologies getting the word out, man. So race or no race, it makes perfect sense to me that you see this role as a, as a leader because you didn't have somebody that was out there that looked like you and had your experiences and was from Alabama and a regular dude that was talking about the, how important the, the stock market is. So what was Absolutely. your first, when, 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 you, when you got obsessed with it, was your immediate move to just like start talking to everybody about it? Did you start making content about it? Like how did you build up a platform to, to help other people invest? Well, as you know, you know, with us as human beings, the first people, when we're getting hyped up and our batteries charged up with stuff, the first thing we do is just go talk our friends' heads off, you know, and just try to convince them that this is the greatest thing and you're missing out on stuff. So after that level of things, uh, my coworker that actually um, showed me a couple of things, they came to me and approached me about having an investment club, which I had already been reading on it, so it just... It's like, yeah, let's do it. So we started recruiting people within our job to, hey, you want to be a part of this investment club? We're doing this, that, and the other. And it just, um, that's how it took off at first. It's, it, it was just a fire in me that, okay, all the people that are around me on my job that I know, that I know that could be potentially um, interested in it, let me just talk their head off. Let me see if I can just convince them that this is the way that you just never knew, you know, and it, it never was a black or white thing. Just using me as an example of, I know my demographic and, my, and, my, and the people around me that we're not used to that or used to being privy to that information. But yeah, but, you know, my parents, uh, my, I, I got my son in it, you know? And so, um, you know, I just started making things like, well, you can't go outside until you read, you know, this or learn what the price over earnings is before you go outside. But um but it is the fire just went to anybody who would listen. And then it translated into content. Um, of course, the idea factory has been spearing everything more of a motivational and, and insightful um, angle. But I just wanted to bring that in with the idea factory and, of course, our investment club and get people to get the gist of investing, not just from a financial standpoint, but everything's an investment. You know, this relationship is an investment. Mm. And when you have a mutual or understanding of both return on investment that we both want, and, and that's to see each other do good because the energy between your success and mine is going to be able to help us grow as people. And we realize that that's investments. You know, all that did was just fuel the fire even more for the idea factory because life is an investment. So... I love it, man. I love that language. So you're saying two things that resonate very much with a couple of my speaking points. One of them is the fact that 
the best way to be known for something. And, and, and the best way to get an opportunity that you want is to just talk to everybody about whatever you're obsessed with, right? Like you, you become obsessed with investing, you start talking to everybody and boom, all of a sudden someone comes to you and they're like, oh, hey, have you heard of this opportunity that you can have? It's, it's, it's funny how that thing works, right? Just like become obsessed with stuff and, and don't shut up about it to me has been huge in my, in my life, right? <laughs> and second, what I really like what you're saying is this idea of ROI on relationships and investing. Because as you know, like I'm obsessed with networking and making friends and, and whatever. And I, the beginning of my first ever speech on networking was, if we really believe that relationships and time are more important than money, why don't we mm -hmm. think about it the way we think about money and diversify those things, right? And, Absolutely. And, and, and be able to do it that way. So I, I, I love that. I love the language in that, man. Very cool. So what's going, on? what's going on in the market right now, man? Where, where, where are you at with what's going on right now? Just real quick. Um, well, if you're a long-term investor, which I am, it's like I got posters of Warren Buffett in my mind all over the place. So I'm a long-term investor. So it's crazy right now in the market because we've never seen anything like this in the modern day with this pandemic. So it's making everything go crazy because there's not a demand for anything other than Amazon, of course, but, uh, but, or Zoom, you know, it's doing good right now too. So I think the market is just going through a resetting because the world is changing. So, you know, after this, you'll see that the world will not be the same way as far as relationships, as far as business is, is conducted. Um, they're learning, people are learning now the hard way that you have to have some sort of digital barrier some sort of digitized um, shell that's going to protect you and make you recession proof. That's why Amazon is actually, they're booming right now. That's why Walmart is booming. But on the other hand, that's why Macy's and Nordstrom are in the tank and they'll never recover from that. Unfortunately, I hate to say that, but you're realizing right now that I, I believe 75% of the country is the industry is service uh, oriented you know, restaurants, uh, hospitality and travel and tourism, things like that. The thing that I'm getting out of it is most of the stuff that you do for service, uh, cosmetics, you can do yourself. You know, um, I just uh, been like cutting my son's hair. You know, you, you have to, you know, stuff like that, little stuff like going to the barbershop. So that takes away, it's hurting small businesses but it's also making you realize the things that you can do on your own. And I think coming out of this thing, just from a global scale, not just the stock, we're going to see a new larger wave of entrepreneurship. I'm excited about it, but the stocks will bounce. It'll bounce back like 21 will be a better year. But to me, I'll say this and I'm not broker giving the stock tips, but if there's ever a time to get invested heavily and get in the market, it's right now. It's, it's right now. That makes a lot of sense, man. You, 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 you buy when people are selling, right? That's right. Yeah, when people are greedy, <laughs> you get scared of that. But you get greedy when people are scared. Exactly. That's a, that's a Warren Buffett tip, right? I, Absolutely. Know, I, I, I think that there is, there's some things that I think will return back to normal, right? People are going to go back to traveling. People, people will go back to experiences and stuff like that. Even the that's services right. that we think that we can do ourselves at the end of the day, people still spend money to not have to do stuff, right? Because time is so valuable. But I think mm -hmm. overall, 
this thing is really just accelerating a bunch of stuff that's already coming, right? Like the idea that you need to have a digital footprint no matter what business you are that's and right. isolated from that was coming anyways. And it's just making it more and more obvious how much you need it. Um, the idea that education needs to be completely redone and healthcare needs to be completely redone. You know, it, it is forcing us to, to really like see some real truths that were already coming down the pipe. And for me, one of the biggest realizations is this whole like every now a generation above me that thought they were never going to have to communicate online has been forced to communicate online. And now they're understanding the value of content and the value of all this type of stuff that's, that's happening, which for better or for worse is coming. Right. So people just got to get used to it. I told my friend the other day, I said, two things will happen with people uh, of notoriety during this thing. Either you're going to get seriously forgotten about, or you're never, or you're going to make a name for yourself. That is, it's one or the other that's really going to happen. And like you said, it's accelerating right now because if you can't adapt, you'll be the dodo bird. So, yeah, I like it, man. Let me let me go back to something else real quick before we get on to the next topic I want to talk about, man. Just because I think there's a lot of value in it, but you say your investment club and not having seen people like you investing. It doesn't have much to do with race. Um, it's just grown up in, in Alabama, right? Like what is, what was that life like? Like what was, how, how did you grow up? Can you just kind of give me like a, like, like an example of what it's like to grow up in Alabama? Uh, Cause I, I feel like there's just a lot of misconceptions and, and, and I think you can shed some light on what you mean by it. Contrary to popular demand, I did not go to work today on a horse. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't have a farm or any any of those things. Now, now I will say Alabama is very, very, very far behind. Um, just the average, just the national average. You're, you're usually the last to find out about something, the trends, culture, technology. However, I think in our generation growing up, because I kind of consider us somewhere between Gen X and the very first millennials, like we're the caveman millennials. So um, I think that growing up somewhere like Alabama or even in somewhere in the Great Plains or something like that, but Alabama, it forces you to have an imagination. And I think that's where that creativity comes in because uh, a partner of mine that we were, we've been rapping for almost 20 years together, some of the stuff we were talking about you know, we never got it from TV. We just were bouncing stuff off each other. And, you know, it'd be cool if we did this or we did this. And then, like, eight years later, you see it and you're like, man, we were ahead of our time because we didn't have a choice. I think that's the only con to this, quote-unquote, information age. It kind of dilutes the imagination. So growing up in Alabama, um, just pretty slow. I mean, it's uh, just laid back. That's why my vibe is laid back. Um it's a good place to grow up as far as safe. Everybody knows people, things of that nature. You know, dad was a, dad was a trucker, which that's what really got me into engineering. He'd go places and he called me. I'd be into maps for some reason. He called me and say, Hey, I'm in Roanoke, Virginia. How did I get here? Oh, you took interstate, blah, 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 blah. So the reading and the isolation of not having all this information and technology and culture, especially culture at your fingertips, it, it just, it, it makes you become uh, a high imagine, a high imaginative 
person, high level person. If you think about the celebrities that are big now, a lot of those guys come from small towns. You know, um, you think about your Tim Cooks, you know, you went to Auburn, which is in Alabama. So, and you know, he's overall um, Apple, but having that restraint of just living a, a slower, restrictive as far as visual life will make you create those visions within yourself. I like that, man. I like that. That's cool. I've, I've always very much valued small town upbringing. And my wife and I were just talking about how it's like people are freaking out right now because their kids don't know how to entertain themselves. And we grew up in an era where we had to entertain ourselves, right? Like now it's That's just right. like, it's, it's everywhere all the time. I like it. Leads to creativity. So you, you mentioned rapping, man. Tell me about that. So rapping, uh, a passion of mine that I've been doing. I'm, you know, I'm not currently trying to pursue a Grammy or anything, but you know, one would be nice. Um, been doing that for, sheesh, uh, over half my life. Um, been in several groups, and you know, just finally just branched out and wanted to do some things on the solo tip because I feel like I got so much to say. I don't know if I have room for you on the song, you know, <laughs> um, but. Had a project come out in 2017. Uh, that was my solo project. It was called Destiny. And this um, follow-up project I'm working on right now, it's, it's going to be a multi-project installment. It's called The first installment is called Legacy because I'm all about legacy building and um, just changing the narrative and, and creating generational opportunities. So you'll, you'll hear a lot of those things uh, within my music. You know, I just... I'm trying to break the mold of, you, you hear me as an engineer and you hear all these different hats that I wear. You know, I'm just breaking the mold of whatever genre that you're in that musicians don't have to have a certain stigma about them. You know, you could be, you can you can have multiple hats and you can live multiple dreams. And I'm just trying to create that mold. I think that's, that's what I'm doing. So yeah, man, uh, Legacy is coming pretty soon. It's coming really, 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 really soon. So. Uh, I'll definitely keep you posted on it. I'm excited about it. I can't wait to hear it, man. You had me. You had me the first night we met when you told me that it was a mixture of Outkast and J. Cole. I was like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> oh, you, you went, I said, oh, this is my brother. <laughs> this yeah. is my brother because you you're the only other person besides my friend that I was rapping with that when you said Outkast, I I lit up. You lit up. I was like, no way. I was like, no way. So. Yeah, I, I instantly had that bond with you once you said Outcast, and then you told me the story about, you know, how you pretty much created that Outcast playlist at your reception and stuff. So that's pretty cool. But it's gonna give you a feel of all of that. It's it's gonna give you. My producer calls it. See, we we come up in the era called boom bap, but um, right now the kids are listening to trap music, and <laughs> which is not just necessarily the content, but it's the the rhythm of the drums, the cadence yeah, of the drums. The cadence. So. Yeah, so my uh, my music is more or less boom trap. That's what my producer calls it. So it's like a bridge between the two. We're just excited about it. I like it, man. What you know? What is your overall opinion on the state of hip hop today? Right? Like, I I feel like it's so easy for people to say, well, first I want your opinion on it. Like, what's where where, where are you at with where hip hop's at right now? Mainstream, no creativity, but it's always really been like that. We just never known because we've been glued to the mainstream. There's a lot of good artists out there putting a lot of good original concepts to things. Um, I like some of the stuff, and now you're gonna you're gonna make me sound like the old time or whatever. I like some of the stuff that the kids are doing, but um, I think the style that we come up off of will never die just because it's not 
it's not faddish, you know, it'll always just have content around it just because how it's structured. But I like it. You know, you, you have to get into it. My son keeps me, um, he keeps me pretty current on, on who's doing what. And I like to listen and check it out because some of their styles are good. You know, I have to, I glean off some of it. Like, I can take some of this and, and put that here too. So yeah. It's okay. It's, it needs to be a little bit more creative for me. I agree, man. Listen, I, I, I have this conversation of people like, oh, Rob Soaks these days. And I'm like, dude, you're just lazy, right? Like there's, there's, there's just more rap these days, right? Because now there's the trap and then there's the boom bop and like, and, and, and people like, like logic, for example, like he's able to, he's able to take inspiration from the stuff that we came up with, that we came up in and use it in today's context. And it creates like its own, mixture of it there's like the reggaeton influence right like there's that whole influence right. that, you know the, the draculization of rap also that's a whole new cadence mm-hmm. that, that nobody was using. <laughs> yeah right like I'm, I'm super into it who is um i'm gonna ask you two more hip-hop questions and then we can move off <laughs> but as you know as you know i'm a fan <laughs> yeah. um nah. who's a who's a new guy of this generation right now that you're impressed with j cole and uh kendrick lamar yeah okay great names who is better big boy or andre um (laughs) see my problem with this comparison is big boy's a february baby and so am i and i think he gets overlooked a lot because andre is so dynamic um i have to say that I, i like big i mean i like dre more but they do not sound the same without each other. They they need each other to meet. They complement each other. But I'm a slightly get an edge to Andre. Awesome, dude. But I love it. Don't sleep on Big Boy. Do not sleep on Big Boy. <laughs> Man, the older I get, the more you know. Growing up, because I I consider myself like the the attention calling kind of guy, right? Like growing up, you just like drawn to Andre. But the older I get, the more I'm just like, I think Big Boy's my favorite, right? So I love, I love the, I love exactly how you just described that thing, and I'm super impressed with Big Boy staying power. Like I thought that this like Boomiverse yeah. album that he put out last year is up there with like Atlians and 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 uh, and Aquemini and like you know it belongs in like the pantheon of Outkast albums. I thought that was incredible, and that now I think it's his best. I think it's his best solo work. I think it's his best solo work. I, I don't think he was, I think he was pressing on those other ones. And you're right, like his staying power. I mean, and just that dedication to even maintain the brand, even though when people are looking for Andre and, you know, you can't get them on a song together for whatever reason. But And, and you can't get uh, yeah. him talking bad about him either. Huh? He's always like, even, no. e- even he's all like only three stacks can match me and all this stuff, right? Like he's, he, he always still like gives credit to Andre and never like turns back on that. I love it, man. Tell me about, tell me about the art of perspective. So one of the facets of the idea factory is when we get you to get in your ideas, we, we call it collecting the dots before we connect them, you know, um, out there from a friend of mine, but we use that principle to where we get your ideas and then we see what we have to do to execute and where you are. We like to paint pictures or make portraits of lasting positive images and inspirational opportunistic images in your mind so that that's the first step of making your business or making your entity grow. We f- I feel like it's an art. I feel like I've been, I have some sort of gift of being able to see things in a different light, not necessarily 
on an inspirational or positive light, but a light of opportunity, a light of, no, let's look at this situation. And now it's really, everything's really, an, it's, it's really an opportunity or an obstacle. It's all in your perspective. So we like to just kind of master and change the perspective of business owners to where what your expectation is, um, what you're doing now uh, compared to the industry. So it's almost just like a tool to help you process your business step by step by using the right perspective. You know, it's nothing like I have a Coca-Cola formula or patented or anything, but we just paint, we paint images of your company, of yourself and of your mindset. And we just try to shape you to where your execution isn't overwhelming. Your days aren't overwhelming. And you'll see that this whole thing is a journey, you know? Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, the, it's, it's just an art. Everybody's not able to see that, hey, this investment here um, is a tree. This one is a tomato vine. You know, so what, what we're going to do here is take it step by step and we're going to grow this tomato vine. While we're doing that, we're planting this tree. So, so all we're doing is just equipping the mind with the right pictures. That's all we're doing. Equipping the mind with the right pictures. How do you... How do you do that? Is that, do you do that visually? Do you do that with words? Do you do that with uh, some kind of process? Is it a story? Like what's the, what's the key to equipping minds with, with pictures? Every situation is unique. You know, it just depends on where you are with your journey. And that's another part of my music, you know, because my music is a form of programming. It's, it's programming with the perspective or whatnot. Um, a lot of times with my words, I say this and I'll, I'll correlate it to the perspective by my music. Um, I say a lot of people say a picture is worth a thousand words. I always inverse it and I always say my one word is worth a thousand um, pictures or, you know, so, so I like to just be able to vividly show you where you are and, and show a lot of us get discouraged. We get discouraged. We see the cars and the Lambos on IG and everything. We're like, well, I'm supposed to be here at 29 and I'm 36 and you know, and I don't have that. So Unlocking that key is first being honest with yourself, honest with your expectation, and honest with your willingness to execute. Because what we say at the Idea Factory is the ideas are the keys, but execution unlocks the doors. So if you're willing to execute, that's the first part of changing that perspective. So we, we go in and we see where we are and we just gauge where people are ready to do and what they're willing to what they're willing to do if they're willing to erase everything and become a blank tape or blank enough to where it'll benefit them then we can go so it's words and of course the music i love it man i i love what you said of everybody says a picture is worth a thousand words but a word is worth a thousand pictures and i immediately and then my mind went to courage and then you immediately said discourage so i was like yeah man like if, I, if you say the word courage, like you can think of a thousand pictures for that, right? But we always, we always think it's the other way around. It's a picture's worth a thousand words. I like it, man. That's Appreciate cool. it. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Sherrod, how do we meet, man? 
Man, this is a very elaborate story. No, just kidding. Um, we met at a lip sync battle. I know it's probably the first one you've ever been to, too. Uh, it was a lip sync charity fundraiser battle during Senior Bowl week. You know, for people who don't know, the NFL Senior Bowl is in Mobile, and it's a huge event. It's a week-long event. That day in particular, your mentor, Gary V, was in town, mm-hmm. and, um, and he was speaking. Um, and we met, um, in typical Pablo fashion, which I appreciate you for this. I'm sitting there, I'm gauging the crowd. I'm in my little introverted, you know, mode or whatever, looking to see, I I speak to a couple of people, but you know, I'm into that. You're going to speak to me. I'm going to speak to you. And I guess you see me from a distance or whatever, and you approach me and you you get to talking and and instantly we just kind of hit it off, you know, and you brought Nathan around we start talking. Nathan goes to the bar and gets us some water and um, everything just flows from that. It was, it was a great night. It was, it was a great night. I, I got way more out of the conversation and the vibe than I did out of the lip sync. I really couldn't tell you who won or, or what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I agree. I thought that that was an awesome night, man. And my, um, I think I told you this that night, right? But like one of my, one of the reasons, the reason that we went to that, that night, right? Was because we had been networking the whole, um, the whole senior bowl thing. And I was just like, Nate, if you want to, you know, cause we were fundraising for rabbit. And I'm like, Nathan, if you really want to meet the people that like move the needle in, in Alabama, let's go to a charity function. And that was the charity function that was happening. And I'm like, I know that we're going to meet high level individuals here because in my experience, Charity functions have these like high level individuals that are connectors, blah, 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 blah. You know, you were, you were my favorite person I met that night. So obviously I think very highly of you, but awesome. it, it was, it was so apparent to me when you and me start talking, I start hearing your story. I was like, yeah, I nailed it. Like, this is so right. Like this is exactly where you meet <laughs> someone as dynamic as Sherrod Jones. And like I got, and it became very clear to me when like, we're talking, you're talking to Nathan and somebody came up and was like, kind of waiting in line to talk to you, right? Like, like I, like you can always tell when someone is a, a community person by the, the idea that when you're in a conversation, the fact that someone just comes and stands and waits till whatever conversation you're in finishes to get in. Um, it just spoke very, very, I was like, all right, I knew it. I knew this, this guy, Sherrod was special. So I immediately started, I was like, Hey, what's going on? I talked to him. Up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's get in on this conversation. But I thought it was great. Um, so what, so, so that's how we met, right? Like I approached you, you were an introvert just standing around, but introverts are always open to when someone comes up and introduces themselves, having a, having a conversation, what made it, why have, why have we kept up with each other? Right? Like this is, like you said, this is an investment. This is an ROI for you. Where's where, what made you think that I had some kind of ROI in relationship? Well, as a, I'll just give you an analogy of investing as a long-term investor, you don't, um, you don't look at the day-to-day operations. You look at the expected outcome. And when people are on the same wavelength that you, that you feel that they are on, then I have the type of friends and I, and I consider you one to where I can just dial you up and we can just tap right back into where we left off. You know, we were talking, texting the other day and, you know, it was, you showed me, you know, the run, the jewels and everything. And it was just like, we just never left. So, you know, I consider you a person of, of value. I consider you a person of, of inspiration. Um, seeing you, and it's funny because um, it just depends on what time, 
which way the wind blows with me being introverted or whatnot. So you approaching me like that, you know, and then us just having this dynamic conversation, it helped unlock a lot of things in me as well. And, you know, um, and then having a conversation with Nathan and that and other and keeping up with you guys um, through your journeys on social media or whatever. That's to me, that's our day to day conversation to me. You may not even I may not comment. You may see me like something, but that's me saying, hey, the, the wavelength is still here. You know, I, I think we're just on the same radio station, you know, without any static or distortion. So I and I like to see a person like you that, that I can kind of feel the same energy. You know, I like to see people like you who bring so much value because of your service. And, and people miss that, you know, because um, that's my motive, too. How can I serve you? You know, and how can I serve your need and, and enhance your value? Because you probably you have the value already. But how can I enhance it more? How can I polish that image more? So seeing somebody like you, you, you can't help but want somebody like you to win. And so those type of people I gravitate to. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, uh, you bring up a lot of things that commonly come up, right? Like the idea that when you are, when you feel that's the person that you're talking to isn't just in it for themselves, it's in it for you, it, it, it makes it easier to connect. And then I, you know, the other thing that I like to harp on is, is the content piece, right? Like if, if it's so easy to have so many more friends because you and I can have met at a lip syncing competition in late January, I get to see a couple of pictures, a couple of things that you're doing for the next couple of months. That kind of keeps it, you know, float. And then when we text, you know, we're still top of mind and we still know who each other are and what we're, what we're about because of Instagram and because of social media. And then we're able to pick it up where we left off, right? So like kind of brings everything together then, man. I'm a, I'm a fan. So you're ready for the rapid fire part of this, uh, this podcast here? Let's go. Let's pam, 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 pam. <laughs> All right. Got my best. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite restaurant in your favorite city and what dish do you get there? <sighs> okay, so I got two answers. Please. You know the answer to the first one. And I cannot for the life of me think of that place again. And I just went there, but it's a taco spot in Wynwood. Um, Coyo Taco. And that's it. And the carne asada, um, those tacos are the best. Those are the best that I've had just anywhere. And here, the other one is mud bugs. So next time you come up here, we got to get you to mud bugs. Uh, it's a seafood restaurant. I, I think Mobile has the best seafood, bar none, countrywide. And I'm okay. willing to put that up against anybody. And you know, one of my favorite foods is crawfish. We eat the yeah. crawfish and it's it's because it's a social food. You know, it's a social gathering and it's awesome. So those the two. Mud bugs. And I can eat tacos every day. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you're talking about here. Uh, <laughs> mud bugs is a word for crawfish, right? That's right. Okay. Just Absolutely. You're halfway there. Put a little <laughs> culture out there, bro. Put a little culture out there. Um, in by the way, I'm in for, and by the way, Winwood is in Miami for anybody that doesn't know that. Coyo Taco is awesome. My dish in, in Coyo Taco is the Cochinita Pibil Burrito. So now you got two recommendations. I see. What 
all right, what content are you most into right now, right? Like this could be content like a podcast. It could be a book that you're super into. It could be just be a person that you follow the most. Like what, what content are you, are you into the most? Right um, I think between investing and I'm always into just a good mental stimulation book, a self-help book, a, a mindset elevation type of book. Um, so I will say right now I'm, I'm rereading The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. Um, it's a great book for anybody who wants to begin to learn how to invest in the investing principles. I recommend that book over any other book. It's like my, my go-to. So from now, every now and then I go back and I read the old books that I have. So that's one. Um, let's see. I'm also into inspirational stuff right now. Um, I'm a, I'm a big Les Brown guy. I'm a big, of course, who is who doesn't like Eric Thomas um, and and Tom Billy, um, you know. So, I, I'm into those two different things. Uh, the, the investing because I try to take the investing and the inspiration and use the same analogy that we talked about as far as life as an investment and see the parallels within that and just learn those lessons. Are you consuming investing in books and inspiration in audio format, or how are you consuming this stuff? Is is it kind of a mix? It's kind of a mix. I'm a, I'm a big podcast guy. I am a huge podcast guy because I do a lot of traveling um, in my day-to-day, -day, in my nine-to-five or whatnot. So I'm always listening and I'm a huge reader. So, you know, on this iPad, I have like hundreds of books in my iBooks that I like to share with people. So it's a mixture. Awesome. What's a good, what's a good investing podcast? The Value Investor Podcast. The Value it's, Investor uh, yeah, it's a lady named Tracy Reinick. She's out of uh, Chicago. She's she's awesome. She works for a research company that pretty much rates all the stocks that you look at on a daily basis. Cool. The Value Investor Podcast. What? Tell me about a time that uh, you know what that you were sure about in your twenties. Do you no longer believe right now? And how did you change your mind about it? Hmm. Um, hmm, that's a good one. Great question. That's not, not so sort of, not so much of a rapid fire. Um, that you can manufacture any relationship to make it, um, to make it work. Meaning a lot of times people are on different paths, different journeys, especially in your twenties, because those are still your formative years. You're still forming out who you're going to be. And a lot of times as young adults, we have an emotional tie up with, you know, if we're together doing this at 22, we have to be together doing this at 52. And that's from a relationship standpoint, a business standpoint. And it took me a while to learn that it's ebbs and flows and things. And people come, people come around, they orbit back around or not just might be a season, but take and appreciate what you learned in that season for the people. And it'll still make a lasting friendship, whether or not you're not, you're the same or not. Love it, man. That's a really good one. What is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Or what's the, the one piece of advice you'd like to give people often? Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I got, it's, it's always something simple. I tell you, it's always something simple. I was, going through a little rough patch um, a few years ago and my aunt 
and my uncle told me I was hanging out over their house or whatever. We were having a cocktail and they're like, you know, because they still call me son because we're so close to their like parents. And, and I said, life is for the living. And I never forgot that. That was just so, it's profound because sometimes we can go through these motions and we can, we can just be trying to accomplish things for, for a set purpose when we don't know that the journey is accomplishing it. So when I say life is for the living, you just have to embrace every moment, every, every 24 hours that you get, absorb as much as you can from it and just make the most of it. I love it, man. So before I ask you your last question, just want to, you know, I'm, I'm going to link in the show notes, the Instagram, the idea factory, LLC, Twitter at the idea factory, LLC, your website, www.theideafactoryllc.com. But is there anything? Pretty particular? Consistent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like it, man. Hey, branding dude. Right. Um, is there anything in particular that you want to promote, man? I, like, before you say anything, I love, I love the album that you put out. Was it 2018? Um, yeah, 17. Mm-hmm. 2017, right? So Sh- just Sherrod Jones, like on Spotify, man, I thought that that was really good. I'm looking forward to the next one. Is there anything that you want to kind of drive people towards? Uh, tell the, our buddy that's listening right now, you know, where, where, where they should, uh, how to contact you or anything like that? Well, those links that you that you um, dropped as far as IG and Twitter are great things. It's another IG that I have, and it's uh, our investment club. It's Ben Elite Investment Club. We're we're putting content out. We're trying to teach people because you know it's in vogue right now to be stock stock market investing. So we want to make sure everybody knows what they're getting into before they just delve into something and get over their, their heads. And of course, new music coming out. Um, I'll probably be launching some stuff on my site, special, um, so some special stuff unreleased on my site, but it'll be on every streaming site, um, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Tidal, all that other stuff. And that's pretty much it. I think you can reach me at any of those other places and live multiple dreams. I love it, man. And I'll link Ben Elite Investing also. It's B-E-N, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, last question, man. Where do you find community? Community is the heart of what I do. So uh, I find community within all of my uh, creatives in the Idea Factory. We, we kind of get together sometimes, all of us, and just bounce everything off each other because I may be advising somebody, but at the same time, what you're specializing in you know, I'm just advising you on principles, but what you're specializing in, you're superior than me on it. So, you know, I can always learn. I I try to, I try to listen. I try to learn. And then I try to take one and two and make three, which is apply. So, um, yeah, communities within my family, I'm a, I'm a firm believer of just synergy and just building people up and using each other to, make something powerful happen because it, it's going to take unity and it's going to take a group to do that anyway. So I love strong it. sense of community. Love it, dude. Love it. Sherrod, I want to thank you for being on the show, man. I want to acknowledge you for the same way that you described, you know, kind of what connected us, man. It's very clear to me that you are a man that is in the service of others and is here to make the world a better place. And you're a good influence to the people that you're around, man. And I think somebody should acknowledge you for that all the time, man. So thank you so much for being that dude. Thank you for being here. This has been a great pleasure, my friend.
Much appreciated, man. I appreciate the opportunity and, and hey, you know, much success to you going forward too, man. I love what you're doing. All right, man. Appreciate it. Check out Sherrod's work. I hope you enjoyed that conversation right there as much as I did. Listen, Connect with Pablo is a content marketing community creation agency. The bottom line is that if you can start creating content that can give value to your customers or audience while creating strategic relationships through it, you can have a content machine that allows you to tell the story of your business through the value you are creating while gathering people together. If you're curious about that or know someone who could be, please shoot me an email at you should at connectwithpablo.com or hit me up on Instagram or LinkedIn through the profiles tagged in the show notes. If you just want a quick pick me up and some tactical advice right before walking into a room full of strangers, go to connectwithpablo.com, watch the five minute video about how to walk into a room and not feel like you're all alone and or download the little cheat sheet on how to do just that. I have a lot of my friends that I've done networking with me for a long time tell me that they love watching that thing and carrying it around when they're walking into a networking event or they're walking into a conference or sometimes even if you're just walking into a wedding and you don't know anybody, right? It has a lot of use for it. I invite you to check it out if you need it. I really hope you stick around, connect with me and start leaning into finding value in others and feeling like you have value to give yourself. It'll make the world a better place. I promise. Until the next episode, I am Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector.